0: Serve tea here, or would you prefer it on the terrace, Miss Joe?
1: I'll have it here, thank you, Benjamin.
0: It's a lovely sunny day, Miss Joe. Is it? And very pleasant on the terrace.
1: You're suddenly terribly solicitous of my welfare, Benjamin.
0: I always have been, Miss Joe. But these last few days you've been pale and listless. You're wearing a worried frown all the time, and well that makes me worry about you.
1: Oh well. I may as well admit it, since it's impossible to hide anything from you, Benjamin. I am worried. It's all because of this communication I've received from the south of Italy.
0: Not that young man you met on holiday, Miss Jones.
1: Is there nothing the family retainer doesn't know about? Yes, you're right again.
0: Is there something I can do, Miss?
1: I don't think so, Benjamin. This is something I must work out for myself. Just a minute, though. You might be able to help. Benjamin, I'm looking for a middle-aged gentleman whom I wish to employ in a a rather unusual capacity. He must be well-bred, or at least have a veneer of respectability, ask no questions, and be strong physically. Have you any idea where I might find such a man?
0: Well, now, Miss Joe, that sounds like rather a tall order. But there is a firm who advertise in the newspaper that they undertake unusual assignments. It will be in the personal column, Miss um, I'll look it up for you. I can't remember offhand what they call themselves, but I do remember the address. 33 Half Moon Street. The temporary... to me the sort of man she wished to hire i felt obliged to ask for more details it's a rule that assignments are limited that we never take on any work that might even vaguely run contrary to the law and her description of the man she wanted was the perfect verbal portrait of a confident trickster but miss weatherby was anxious to put me at my ease
1: there's nothing even remotely illegal in what i want him to do mr mason it's just an unusual task that's all so unusual, in fact, that I, I want you to discuss it in complete confidence.
0: Well, if there's a story, Miss Weatherby, why not tell it to me from the beginning? I mean, it would certainly make it easier for me to choose the, well, the, uh, the right sort of operator for you.
1: I'll tell you the story, but the sort of man I'm looking for is right here in this office. You. However, I, I realize that it would be impossible for you to leave your business for so long a period, and and I may need the services of your your operator, as you call him, for quite a long time. Well, to begin at the beginning. Last year, I went to the south of Italy for a holiday, to a fishing village near Toronto. Molfetta is its name. It's old and quaint and, and picturesque, and has the perfect harbour for small craft. I- I'm a keen sailor, Mr. Mason. Molfetta to me is paradise. Well, was paradise. I met a man there, an Englishman. Rodney Fowler-Brown. He was recuperating from something or another, and we became very friendly. I taught him the rudiments of sailing so that we spent many hours alone together on the Adriatic Sea. We were, well, buddies. But that's all. Buddies. It never occurred to me that he might have gained a different impression. The holiday was nearly over, and Rodney was at the tiller as we brought my dab into the wharf. An old man on the quayside followed us with his accordion, as they always do with young tourists. The Italians are quite unashamedly romantic. Rodney had become quite adept at handling the bird. Stop at a point, Rodney. Starboard it is. I'm dropping the main sheet. Stand by to take her in. Roger. Oh,
0: sorry. Aye, aye,
1: Bob. <laughs> <laughs> All clear, Rodney. Stand by the front page, sir. Aye, aye, sir. in fowler
0: <laughs> Well, how did I do? Just like an old salt, eh? <laughs> oh, you'll do. <laughs> is that all? Oh,
1: since you started from scratch three weeks ago, you've done remarkably well. In fact, I would say that you're at the dangerous stage. Dangerous state? You know the old saying, Robbie. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Well, you're at that state now. <laughs> if you think you could sell a dab over the Adriatic to Yugoslavia, you'd better think of that.
0: Uh, I haven't the slightest desire to travel to Yugoslavia under sail or under any kind of pretext. <laughs> In short, I veto Tito.
1: Oh, the old man appreciates your efforts. He's serenading you.
0: That, my dear Joe, has nothing whatever to do with the mundane business of tying up a sailing boat. The old man is handing us an invitation and he's saying it with music. Now, let's get on this old ballad and have a smoke, shall we? <sighs> Capital
1: suggestion. Sure. Ah, thanks. You were saying?
0: Tonight's the night for the Amora Cuesta.
1: Oh, what's that when it's at home?
0: <laughs> it's now fresco Supper and Dance on the seashore. All the young villagers from Malfeta and all the young lads and lasses from the neighbouring farms gather together on the beach for a party and confess their undying love for one another. Naturally, only couples in love are allowed to attend. The... Old man is extending an invitation to us.
1: It would be unfair to accept an invitation for which we are not qualified, Rodney.
0: I it? qualify. I qualify, Joe. I qualify a one at Lloyd's. How about you, Joe? Do you qualify too?
1: Music, it stopped. Look, Rodney. The old man's going away. It must be lunchtime, and I'm absolutely punished. You vanished.
0: didn't answer my question, Joe.
1: Oh, Rodney. It's been such fun these past three weeks. Don't spoil it.
0: Do I ruin your holiday then? Because I've fallen in love with you.
1: Oh, you mustn't say that. Not even in jest.
0: I'm deadly serious. Yes, deadly serious. It,
1: it can never be, Rodney. It's impossible.
0: To fall in love is a natural thing.
1: Oh, no, no. But why, Joe? Why? I, I'm not free to fall in love.
0: There's someone else, a fiance. But you're not wearing an engagement ring. Not oh, a boyfriend, then. A beau. I don't mind competition, Joe. I'll compete with him for your love. Uh,
1: I'm... I'm married, Rodney. Married? Uh, I'd no idea that you'd think of me in any way, except as a friend and sailing companion. I, uh, I gave him no cause to think. Well, to think that I was romantically uh, unattached.
0: You, you don't wear a wedding ring. You, you're here in Molfetta alone. You booked into the hotel as Miss Joanna Weatherby... I, Look, I know, because I looked before I introduced myself to you. Where is this husband of yours?
1: We, we are estranged.
0: Well, you can get your freedom. Joe, you can get your freedom and marry me.
1: I, I can't. At least it's not as easy as that. We, we agreed to a trial separation. Just a trial separation, Rodney. Then we go back together again, and perhaps this time we can make a go of it.
0: I see. Now, what if you don't, make a go of it.
1: Well, this is not the time or the place to speculate on that, is it, Rodney?
0: Perhaps not, Joe. I'll wait. But if you don't make a go of it, then I'm coming over to England to claim you, Joe. He
1: he might not let me go.
0: Yes, he will. I'm used to having my own way, Joe. He'll release you, or I'll kill him. Yes, Joe.
1: I'll kill him. There you have it, Mr. Mason. The Malfetta story. It's just a bit sordid, isn't it? Now, after all this time, I've received a letter from Rodney Fowler-Brown.
0: He's coming to claim you.
1: And that's what he says.
0: And What does your husband say?
1: That's just it. I, I have no husband. The whole story was a fabrication. I I just said the first thing that came into my mind. Oh, he was so persistent. And I found myself being a little frightened of him. His eyes. He looked at me like... like that. Oh, it, it's a bit lame, I know.
0: Oh, not really. You were motivated by your own intuition. Oh, I am too frequently. And you're afraid of uh, this man, Rodney Philo Brown, aren't you?
1: Yes. With justification. Oh? We have a family retainer. Benjamin, by name. He, he used to be our butler, but now he's become a sort of general factotum around the house. Everything from tweeny to confidant. You, you know how it is these days. I do. Well, when I got back home, I, I told Mother that what had transpired and she upbraided me for a nincompoop. I, I think secretly all Mothers cherished an ambition for their daughters to marry into nice society. And the name Father Brown, coupled with a villain Molfetta, must have sounded very nice.
0: <laughs> you know, I... I think you're terribly fond of your mother.
1: (laughs) She's a darling, but she's shrewd, too. This family retainer I was telling you about, Benjamin, well, she packed him off to find out what he could about Rodney Fowler-Brown. What was the result? He's an ex-inmate of a mental home sent to the south of Italy to recuperate.
0: Oh. So your intuition didn't let you down?
1: It came completely up to scratch.
0: Oh, now, I'm with you, Miss Weatherby. Fowler-Brown is coming to England and... Well, you think he'll look you up?
1: I know he will. Here. Since you're interested in my motives, perhaps you'd better read the letter. thank you.
0: Dearest Joe, I referred to the hotel register to find your address in England, so it's been my friend twofold. First to show you to me when you first arrived in Morfetta, and now to enable me to renew our acquaintance. I trust you enjoyed a pleasant journey home, and whereas at home in the aeroplane as you are on board ship... I've been moody since you left, and have idled my time away thinking about you. The real purpose of this letter is to inform you of my arrival in England in a few days' time. I have no idea how your marital experiment went, but I have decided to talk to your husband and to ask him to give you up. I think I can persuade him. I am a most persuasive person when forced to be. It's a while since I saw London, so so we might take take a few shows together. together. Love, Rodney fowler Brown. Hmm. Well, you know, it's it's partly adult and partly childish. Uh, When did you say you were on holiday in So You
1: noticed it, too. A year ago. And he he writes as though it were last week. Uh, I imagine he has periods of melancholy when he doesn't remember anything. Then he takes up the threads again as though the intervening days hadn't been.
0: Oh, probably. Well, as Hornblower would say, it's a run situation. What do you think he means by that uh, that sentence at the end?
1: About his being... uh, A persuasive person? Yes. That, I think, is the ominous bit. In the course of his investigations, Benjamin, our our man's servant, discovered that Rodney Fowler-Brown was put away for an indefinite period after he allegedly tried to strangle a maidservant. servant. Uh, I say allegedly because it was never proved. His parents are enviably rich.
0: I understand. A good bank balance opens many doors.
1: In this case, the doors of the mental institution... Rodney is considered to be quite safe in the south of Italy, but here in London, with a bee in his bonnet, well, I'm not so sure. Hence the reason I require the services of a well-mannered gentleman who is not averse to using a little physical persuasion, if necessary. In short, Miss Weatherby, you need a bodyguard. Oh, no, Miss Mason. I need a husband, albeit a temporary husband. Johanna
0: Weatherby had set me quite a problem—a gentleman who was both gentle and a man. I guessed her age to be around thirty, plus or minus, and in her social niche, I reasoned that a forty-year-old spouse would not be incongruous. So it was that I decided on Marmy, Marmaduke Bray to give him his full name. Marmy was a heavy gentleman with a heart of gold. His sergeant at Assignments Unlimited had been brief. The studio's type, he was interested only in the occasional job that might introduce a small measure of excitement into his usually drab life. Being a temporary husband seemed to please him immensely, even though I had impressed upon him the absolute necessity of behaving like a gentleman. However, Marmy polished his glasses, propped them on his generous nose, and set forth for the domicile of Johanna Weatherby. and I breathed a sigh of relief. Marmaduke Bray was not much to look at, but Inside that blue serge store suit rippled muscles of whipcord. Mr. Bray was one very tough baby. He walked to the house off Hanover Square and knocked twice on the door. Yes, sir? What do you mean, Benji? Yes, sir. Benji? Well, don't you recognize the master of the house? Stand aside, fellow. You look a proper drip in the doorway. And you've got an egg stain on your tie. Oh, you must be the man from Assignments Unlimited. I thought we asked for a gentleman, not a comedian. Phew. Oh, mind your manners, Benji. The petticoat government is over. Oh, yes, sir. Now go and fix me a whiskey and soda and tell Mrs. Bray I'll see her in the drawing room. Um, Mrs. Bray, sir. Oh, you mistress, you dolt. And shut the door. Uh, oh, uh, yes, sir. Now hurry the along uh, now. Yes, sir. Extraordinary thing. What is it, Benjamin? Oh. Oh, are you the man, the, uh, the, uh... Yes, sir.
1: I am. what is your name please
0: you of all people should know since your name is Mrs Marmaduke Bray
1: did you ever hear of a girl who was married without even seeing her husband
0: millions of them all over the far east shall I tell you about them from Calcutta to the Quang Ho
1: oh later perhaps I'd like to hear about my newly acquired mate first of all
0: I embody all the qualities demanded of my employer by
1: you a gentleman yes thank you Utterly self-reliant, yes. Thank you. Physically strong?
0: I sense a question in your tone. Yes. Is that steel poker in the fireplace valuable?
1: Not particularly, but it is steel. Then
0: may I borrow it? Now, as you perceive, the poker is straight. Now? Now, it's shaped like a horseshoe. Your whiskey and soda, Mr. Brazer. Thank you, Benji. Uh, Will that be all, Mr. Bracer? How about you, my dear? A little sherry, perhaps?
1: Nothing, thank you.
0: Just see that my things are unpacked, will you, Benji? Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, Where exactly are you? In the main bedroom, Benji. Uh, Yes, sir. I'll see to it at once, (sighs) sir. Cheers.
1: Marmaduke. Yes, my dear? Tell me about those girls from Calcutta to the Quang Ho. Rodney? Rodney?
0: Over here. Oh, there you are. Hello, Lester, old man. So, you got my cable. Yes, but you should be more careful. Luckily, I was the only one at home. If Mother had found it, she would have confiscated it. Don't tell me she still treats you like a little boy. If I argue with her, she threatens to send me back. Back to the home. Well, there are worse places than that, Lester. Believe me. I wouldn't want to go back, Rodney. Not if you weren't there. If we were back there together, then I wouldn't mind at all. But not by myself, Rodney. I... I couldn't stand it. They treat you like a kid, too, don't they? Yes. Except when you're around. You used to look after me, Rodney. Make me feel like a man. That's why I sent you that cable, Lester. I've come all the way from Italy just to see you. Now, there's no need to be afraid anymore, Lester. Come on. Let's take a stroll outside and I'll tell you all about it. I'd do anything for you, Rodney. You know that, don't you? All I want you to do is to prove yourself a man... Do that and you'll earn my respect. That's all I ask, Lester. Just prove yourself a man so that your mother can't sneer at you anymore and the warders in the mental home can't treat you like a baby when I'm not there. How does that sound, Lester? Oh, wonderful. I I wish it could be true. I I don't know what to do. I don't even know where I should start. How does anyone prove they're a man, Rodney? How does a soldier in a war win his spurs? How does a man on the battlefield win his medals and the respect of his fellow men? He kills, Lester. He kills. Yes. Yes, he kills. Would you kill to prove your manhood, Lester? Kill? Yes. Kill. To prove to me, to the world, that you're a real man. Yes, Rodney. I'd kill. I'd kill. (laughs) I knew you'd do it for me, Lester. Now listen. Listen very carefully. You are to go home and say nothing to anyone. I'll telephone you when I'm ready. First, I have to pay a call on the man you're going to kill. He lives only a few doors away from you. I must spy out the man to make sure there's been no mistake, and that there will be no mistake when the time comes for you to kill Lester. There must be no mistakes. I'll visit our proposed victim, Lester, and look him over. I want to know him quite well before you move in. not just a little knowledge. <sighs> a little knowledge... It's dangerous, yes, dangerous. Told so, I me mean, it's interesting, Benji. You make a good assignments unlimited operator. How did you get all this personal stuff on our nutty friend Fowler Brown? Uh, well, Mister Brace, um, I used a modicum of subterfuge. You see, I was fortunate in meeting one of the inmates, a youngish lad with a persecution complex. It's a normality of the schizophrenic, uh, although that sounds a contradiction in terms, doesn't it? Yes, and I'm in agreement, but get on with the story. Uh, Yes, sir. Well, this young man was something of a friend to Fowler Brown, so I made friends with him too. Uh, A caller, sir. At this hour... Now, go and see who it is. And if it's Fowler Brown, show him in. Very good, sir. Oh, good evening, sir. Good evening. I- I'm looking for a lady whom I believe to be in residence here. I'm afraid I don't know her married name. She was uh, Miss Joanna Weatherly. Ah, then you must be Mr. Rodney fowler oh, Yes, yes, I am. Has she mentioned me? The master has, sir, frequently. Please come in. Thank you. Uh, this way, sir, if you please. Oh, just a moment, I... I see you have a telephone in the hall. I've an important phone call to make that I completely forgot about. Seeing the telephone reminded me. uh, May I? The master said you were to be shown every courtesy, sir. Oh, did he now? Good for him. Uh, uh, Lester? Yes. Is that you, Rodney? It is. Now, Lester. Now. <coughs> Thank you. Uh, now, uh, where's uh, <laughs> my lady's husband? Uh, Mr. Marmaduke Brazer. He's in the study. Uh, this way. Thank you. Mr. Rodney Fowler Brown, sir. Come in, my dear fellows. Come in. Uh, well, will you require anything more of me, sir? No, Benji. I'll show Mr. Brown out. Oh, very good, sir. Uh, good good night. night, sir. Good night, Benji. Grab a few. Uh, thank you. Uh, from what your butler said, uh, you've been expecting me, Mr. Uh, Bray, uh, I think he said. That's right. My wife showed me your letter. Uh, do you consider it presumptuous of me? It's unusual among Christians to barter women. I don't think you understand, Mr. Bray. Joe was unattached when I met her. She was married to me. That gives me a proprietary right. She mentioned an experimental separation. If it didn't work out, I would ask you for her freedom. It worked out. I would like to hear that from Joe herself. Sorry. You'll just have to take my word. And if I consider your word not good enough? Then we shall settle the matter like gently. And what precisely does that mean? I shall punch you on the nose and swing you neck and crop into the street. Would you care for a drink? Uh, Thank you. Scotch. Excuse me. The cocktail cabinet's in the corner. What is it now, Benji? I'm afraid I couldn't stop him, sir. He must have climbed in through the kitchen window. I was in the main bedroom turning down the counterpane when there he was, ramming that pistol in my back. Well, we had a chat, but he was adamant about coming down here. What does he want? He seems confused about conflicting loyalties. I'm going to be a man. Soon I'll have respect of everyone, even my mother. Why don't you put that thing back in your pocket, son? Not until I've done what I've came to do. And what did you come to do? Kill! There was no need to disarm the young Lester Dobson. After he fired the two shots, he threw the gun to the floor. It was Marmy who bent down and picked it up. The two shots had drilled one neat hole in Rodney Fowler-Brown's head. And all because, at the exact minute Lester entered the main bedroom, he found Benjamin turning down the cover. It was Lester who Benjamin had made friends with when he was making his inquiries at the mental home. Lester, who thought it was Benjamin that his faithless friend Rodney had sent him to shoot. The insane youth was determined to kill somebody, so he turned his gun on Fowler Brown. Lester would never shoot a true friend.